Well, thank you for being here today. We are going to continue our series through the book of Jonah. Last week, we started a brand new series that for six weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Jonah together. And today, we're in Jonah chapter 1 again, and we're going to be looking at verses, specifically verses 4 through 6. Last week, we saw a prophet who disobeyed God and ran from God. This morning's sermon is titled, A Storm and God's Grace. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to read the text, we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in uh, this morning. And parents, I understand that you have little ones with you today. Don't worry, this will not be a two-hour-long sermon today. Just one hour for you today. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm... married to a parent who is watching children this morning. And so for the sake of my own marriage today, uh, we will uh, get you out of here before your children melt down. So let's, let's read this this morning. And I, I want to read uh, all of verses 1 through 6 today, just so we again have this context in the book of Jonah. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest, a great storm on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us, give a thought to us that we may not perish. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, as we uh, seek to navigate this life as your people, You have not left us alone to stumble around in darkness, Lord, but you've given us a a, a lamp to to light our way, to to show us the steps that we ought to take. Lord, I believe there are people here today who, who are seeking you on their next step along this journey. I pray that even today you would begin to illuminate that next step for them, and Lord, that you would help them by your Spirit to step out in faith. And Lord, that we, as your people, together, that we would live faithfully for you as we journey along this path of faith together. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever been in a storm, a really bad storm? I remember the the worst storm I've ever been in uh, was driving up Interstate 35, Uh, It was several years ago, and they were doing lots of construction on Interstate 35. And the the lanes had, had, they had narrowed the lanes and put up barriers so there were no shoulders. 
And so the, the, the lanes were very cramped. And the reason we were heading up to Interstate 35 was we were taking our youth group to camp. And so me driving with a, 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 a van and a trailer full of luggage... I don't know what all the girls take to camp, but they had like four suitcases each. I don't know if they were smuggling other campers in or what the deal was. Anyway, I had a trailer for the luggage, and like some guys showed up to camp with like a, a pillowcase, and it had like a, one pair of underwear and a toothbrush in it. And then like this other, you know, let girl shows up with like a whole Louis Vuitton, you know, set of luggage. Anyway, so we're, we're heading up I-10, three vans full of kids, trailer, construction, and all of a sudden this storm blows through. And I mean, it was pouring rain, sheets of rain just flying across the highway. It got so bad that we could not see the front of our bumper. We could not see the, the front of our van. The windshield wipers were going. It was pitch black dark, and we had to stop, completely stop on I-35. We couldn't even see to find the shoulder to get off, and we sat there and just prayed to God that, some, that everybody else was stopping because we literally could not see a thing. It was a horrible storm, and I thank God that shortly thereafter it lightened up a little bit, and we were able to inch our way towards Dallas and finally made it to camp. All glory to God. Amen. But whenever you're in a storm, if you've ever been through a storm like that, you, you can identify a little bit with these sailors who are filled with fear. They're in the midst of this storm. Their ship is breaking apart. They're crying out to God to save them. They're able to discern that this is not a storm like other storms that they had been through. You know, you think about a sailor. They spend their whole life on the sea. They're used to handling storms. But in the midst of this storm, they're throwing their cargo overboard. They're crying out to their gods these aren't Christians. These aren't people who are serving the true God. They're calling out to their idols and their false gods. These are lost people. Nevertheless, they, they realize that this is, this is not normal, that, that this is some sort of divine thing that's happening in their lives. And what we can see from this story and what I want to pull out for you today is that many times in our lives, we too face a similar situation. That, that this story in Jonah, in this part specifically, the storm, it is a metaphor for the trials and the challenges and the hardships that we face in life. How many of you can say you've been through some storms in life? How many of you came in this morning and you were sopping wet? You're in the middle of a storm. Listen, I, I understand that there are times in our lives where we go through not just a day or a week or a month, but sometimes prolonged seasons of, of hardship and difficulty, and it feels like a storm. 
Sometimes it's very disorienting. It's, it's like getting punched by Mike Tyson. You're just like, I, I don't know which way is up. The room is spinning. My world is spinning. Storms in our marriages or our relationships with others that maybe we were close to in the past, but something has happened and things have been shaken. Storms in our job or our career where things were on track, but now it just seems like everything's dried up. Storms in our family where division and infighting has come in and there's so much hurt and harm and and brokenness. These prolonged seasons of hardship, difficulty. Maybe you're in the battle of your health right now and you've received a report from the doctor and and you know that the next season is, is going to be marked by doctor's visits and, and, and tested, testing and possibly treatments and surgery. In our lives, we do face storms. And so I want to leave you today. I want to go through today four points to help you as you navigate the storms of life. And the first point I want to give you is a very encouraging one. I hope that it encourages you. But it's that number one, we all go through storms. And so if you're in the midst of a storm, you can know that you're not special. That this happens to everybody. We all go through storms. And this is a promise from God. In your life Jesus himself said in the world you will have tribulation oh praise the Lord you don't see that on a lot of coffee mugs <laughs> screensaver on your phone right this is a promise from God it's gonna happen you will go through storms in this life There's this little lie going around that if you have enough faith, you won't have any problems in your life. That if you have enough faith, that if if you're strong enough in your walk with the Lord that you can sort of bypass the hardship or bypass the pain or or, or skip ahead a few levels to, to just comfort insecurity and no problems or conflict in your life. Let me tell you that that is not true. If you've been listening to someone who's been preaching that all you got to do is have enough faith and everything's going to be peachy, that person's not telling you the truth. It's some sort of distorted picture of the gospel. Let me tell you, who, who was the person who, who had the most faith who ever lived, who perfectly lived a life of faith? It was the Lord Jesus. Did he go through some trials? Well, actually, yes, he did. Very literal trials. He was put on trial. Did he go through some hardships, some difficulties, some pain, some interpersonal conflict, some people who betrayed him and backstabbed him? Yes, he did. So as we look to Jesus, we can see that in this life, we will have trials. We will have storms. But the good news is that that's not the end of that verse. In this world, you will have tribulation, but Jesus says, take heart. 
because I have overcome the world. Amen. This is wonderful good news that the God we serve has overcome the systems of this world, this world's culture, this, the, the principalities, demonic forces, that they are under his feet. So if you are in the midst of the storm, know that your God is the God of the storm. He rules and reigns even over the storms of this life. Even they are in his control. We see that it's actually the Lord who brings the storm upon Jonah. In verse 4, the way it is described is that the Lord hurled the storm at Jonah. This is the same word that's used when King Saul hurled his spear at David. That the Lord is the one who brings the storm into Jonah's life. I've been through some storms in my life. I've been through some, some seasons, some years that have been storms. Just this last week, I was uh, driving with Heather and the kids. We spent a little bit of time on vacation. I don't know if you can tell I got a tan. I'm one shade less pale than normal. Um, and we were driving. We were going to go get some, some dinner. And as we were driving, uh, an ambulance came towards us. And so I pulled over to the right, and the ambulance passed. And as the ambulance passed, and, and as it continued to go by, I just, I was filled with so much anxiety, just overwhelmed with anxiety. And as we drove, and, and I mean, we're on vacation, right? I, I don't have a care in the world. There's nothing pressing on me at all, except my children and their, you know, dying of hunger because they haven't had food in two hours. So, you know, like th there's nothing, there's no weight. I spent the day at the pool just enjoying life, and here this ambulance passes by, and I'm, 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 physically anxious and I, I begin to realize that the reason why is because this has triggered something in me that reminded me of, of when I pulled up to my mom's house last year and saw all of the ambulances outside of her house as the EMS was inside trying to save her life and as they rushed her off to the hospital and we got in our cars to, to, to follow the ambulance and, and hope and praying to God that she would make it. And she didn't. And, and so all of that from last year, all of it just comes rushing back in when I heard the ambulance. Anybody can relate to this or is it just me? Am I the only one? So we get to the, you know, Chick-fil-A because we're good Christians and, um, you know... <laughs> We pay our tithe and eat at Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's just what Malachi 3 says. So we, we get there and, you know, the kids are like, can we play on the playground? And normally we make them eat some nuggets before we let them, you know, play on the playground. I'm just like, go, please, just get in the playground. And, 
you know, me and Heather started to talk, and I was like, man, when that ambulance passed, I was just so anxious, and we started to talk about just how, you know, the last seven years has been like a storm for us, that there really hasn't been a, a, a prolonged season of, of just normal life. It's been from one storm to the next, to the next, to the next, and we began talking about how, how we both separately have been praying that Lord, could, could we just come to a season where it's just smooth sailing for just a little bit? We would appreciate it, Lord. And I want you to know that we all go through storms in life. That even me, the pastor, who stands up on the stage and is so confident about God, that when I go home, there's storms there. So if you're going through a storm today, you can know that it's not cause necessarily because God's mad at you or you've done something wrong or that you've, you've made a wrong turn. We all go through storms in life. The second point I want to bring to you is that s- storms are a result of sin. Storms are a result of of sin. Specifically, we see this in Jonah's life. He is in this storm because he has disobeyed God and he is running from God's call on his life. This is why Jonah finds himself in this storm. And for Jonah, the storm manifests immediately. But for most of us in our lives, the storms that come because of sin don't manifest so quickly, do they? They sort of build up over time. It's like being exposed to a lethal dose of radiation. When it happens, you don't feel it immediately, but over time you realize that it's causing you to become very sick. Sin is that way. Sin is that way. Sin takes you down. We see this in Jonah's life. It tells us three times in these first few verses that sin is taking Jonah down. We we have reason to believe that when Jonah heard God's voice that he was in the temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was on a mountaintop. It was on a hill. Yet we see in verse 3 that Jonah goes from the temple on a mountain he goes down to Joppa. That when he gets into the ship, he lays down and he goes down deep into the belly of the ship. And you need to know that sin in your life, over time, it will take you down. Sin will take you down. It might be fun for a while. But eventually, the Bible says, your sin will find you out. You cannot outrun God. Jonah's trying to escape God. He's trying to run from God. You can't do it. Sin brings storms into our lives. And so if you are engaging in a willful sin, you can be sure that there will be a storm 
brewing. But what I want you to see is that while storms are a result of sin, they're not necessarily a result of your sin. Sometimes we face storms in our life because of other people's sin. People sin against us. I've been through some storms like that. Sometimes we face storms in our lives simply because we live in a broken world. Our broken world is broken because of sin, but sometimes the storms come in not because we've done anything wrong, not because anybody else has done anything wrong, but simply because we live in a broken world. So while storms are a result of sin, they're not necessarily a result of my personal sin. The book of Job teaches us that message. The Bible says Job was a righteous man. He was upright. He was living righteously before God, and a storm came into his life. And it wasn't because of a sin in his life. And that whole book is saying that, look, sometimes in this broken world, Bad things just happen to good people. It's just the way it is. We face storms in this life. So not every hardship is a result of your sin. You need to know that. You need to know that not every hardship, not every difficulty, not every storm, not every test or trial is a result of your personal sin. But the Bible does teach That every sin will lead you into a hardship, into a difficulty. That there is a storm attached to every sin. That's why we must come before the Lord in repentance. So why does God bring the storms into our life? Why does he allow them in our lives? We believe in a sovereign God who is powerful over all things. Why does he allow them to happen? Here's, Here's the big idea I want you to see today out of all of this. It's point number three. Storms are a means of God's grace. The storms in our life are a means of God's grace. In Jonah, what we see is that God is using the storm to put Jonah back on course. Jonah has run away from God. He is heading in the wrong direction. And so God uses this storm to bring Jonah back into the right place, bring him back into the right direction. So if you're in the middle of a storm today, God may be trying to direct you into a different direction. You need to be sensitive before the Lord. In Matthew chapter 14, we read the story of Jesus and his disciples who are caught in the midst of a storm. And that Jesus comes to his disciples walking on the water. And that in the midst of the storm, Peter, he he calls Peter out to himself. And Peter even walks on water. And what we see in that is that God will use the storms to draw us closer to himself. He beckons Peter to come out to him. He beckons Peter to walk on the water with him. He beckons Peter to come into a closer, more intimate relationship with him in the midst of the storm. 
And so if you're in the midst of the storm today, God may be correcting you because of a sin in your life. God may be redirecting you, trying to put you on the right path. God may be simply trying to draw you closer to himself. Another reason God allows storms in our lives is to show us who he is. After Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples, after they have walked on water, he has walked on water with Peter, the the storm ceases and the disciples fall down and worship at his feet. Through this experience, through the storm, they get a bigger glimpse of who Jesus really is, the power of the God that they serve. And so God will use the storms in our lives to show himself strong on our behalf. This is why the Apostle Paul, he prayed that his thorn in his flesh, his weakness would be removed from him. And God said, I will not remove it from you, but I will give you a grace that you can endure in spite of it. And that my power is made perfect in weakness. And so if you're in a storm today, it could be that God is wanting to show you a clearer picture of who he is and his strength, and his power, and his ability to to provide for you, to protect you, to heal you, to lead you to where he wants you to go. Another reason God allows storms to come into our lives is so that he can make us more like him. So that he can make us more like him. This is also what he's doing with Jonah. Jonah's a bad dude. He doesn't want to obey God. He doesn't want to do what God's called him to do. He's harboring uh, all kinds of, of animosity and prejudice in his heart towards people who aren't like him. God is wanting to produce his own character in Jonah's heart and life. And as we look at so many people in the Bible, we see examples of this. Think about Abraham, that God called to follow him and made so many promises to him. Yet Abraham walks around following God for 25 years with no fulfillment of the promise. 25 years waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled in his life. All the while, God is working out certain things in Abraham's life. Think about Joseph, the little tattletale who had a superiority complex, who walked around in this royal robe that his dad gave him. God needed to do some things in his life. God needed to teach him some things. And so he puts him through a storm. He puts him through a test. Year upon year upon year, Joseph is living a life of hardship, but God is producing his character within his heart. Think about King David as a shepherd boy living in obscurity. Nobody knew who he was. God calls him, anoints him. He slays Goliath. And King Saul is so very jealous of him that he was trying to kill him. For decades, Saul pursues David. All the while, God is producing his character in David's life. Time after time after time, we see this. Moses has to spend 40 years in the wilderness, God producing his character 
in Moses' life. Listen, if you're in a storm today, it could be that God is wanting to produce his character in your heart and in your life. That when, when, we, when we're in difficult seasons, that certain things in our heart and our character, they tend to rise to the top, don't they? And a lot of times they come flying out of our mouths. And this is God's way of saying, look, look what's there. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's God's way of saying, look what's in your heart. We got to deal with that. In 1 Peter chapter 6, it says that just as gold is refined in the fire, so our faith is also refined by the trials of this life. But that ultimately what we're left with after the trial is more precious to us than gold. The what the trial and the storm produce in our life and in our heart and in our character, they're worth more to us than gold. How many of you would say that's your testimony, that God's brought you through some storms and that you would never want to go through it again, but you thank God that you went through it, that you would not trade what you went through for all the money in the world because of what God did in your heart and your life through it. That's the grace of God in the midst of the storm. All of these are God's grace. For Jonah, the storm, and ultimately the big fish that comes and swallows him, these are manifestations of God's grace. God's judgment on Jonah would have been if he just let him go. Just let him run away. Harden his heart, reject God. That would have been God's judgment. But God pursues Jonah in grace. And so God allows us to experience the storms of life because of his great love for us. And we as Christians have this great promise, Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. God will use the storm. I don't believe that God causes every storm, but I do believe that he allows them to come into our lives and that we, if we will see God turn those storms into beautiful things as we continue to walk with him in faith. I can't tell you how many countless testimonies I've heard of people saying that they didn't love God, they weren't serving God, but the worst tragedy came into their lives and that God used that to save them. That because of the worst thing that ever happened to them, that was the pathway through which God saved them. How many of you have a testimony like that? It, it's just the way God works. That he takes what the enemy means for evil and he works it for our good. When I originally was working on this point, I had written that storms can be a means of God's grace. That they can be, that it's possible for them to. But the Lord, he, he corrected me. It's that for the believer, for the Christians, it's not that storms simply have the potential to be a means of God's grace, that they are a means of God's grace. And so that we can have confidence as his people that he will work it for our good, that it is him showing us his grace. 
Number four, in the midst of the storm, keep your eyes on Jesus. In the midst of the storm, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the storm that he went through, the suffering that he endured, and what it produced for us. And God will take what you are going through, and it will produce a blessing for others, and it will produce a blessing in your life. Just as Jesus endured the cross so that we might be saved and forgiven, God will take the, what the enemy meant for evil in our life, and he will. The promise is that he will work it for our good. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He, he is the true north. You know, he is the north star. He, when everything else feels like it's shaking and, and it's hard to see and visibility is limited and I don't know which way I should go, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. When everything else seems to be shaking around us, he, he's the rock that doesn't move. He, he's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, he's the thing that we can build our life on. He's the foundation uh, that we can be sure won't crumble. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, that everyone who hears my words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. When you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, when you build your life on him and his word, you can be sure that when the storms come, your life will not come crumbling down. That your house, that your life, that it will stand. That your family, that your marriage, it will stand. It can surpass every test and trial if it is founded on the rock, if it is founded on Jesus Christ. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What are you building your life on? Is it your talent, your charisma, your good looks? Is it your career? Is it your material possessions? Listen, when the storms come, all of that is sinking sand. But if you will build your life on Jesus Christ, on his word, no matter what trial you face, he will lead you through victorious. Amen. I also want to encourage you to surround yourself with people who will point you to Jesus. In the midst of the storm, we need people in our life that can speak into our life, who can say, this is what God's word says. They will point us back to Jesus. They will encourage us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. They will say things like, you're not thinking the right way. This is what God's word says. You're not thinking about things the right way. I thank God that I have men in my life who can speak into my life that way. You know, every thought you have isn't true. Did you know that? 
Every feeling you have isn't true. You, you need people that can say to you, you're not thinking right. You're not, the feelings you're having, they're not right. They don't line up with the Word of God and what God's Word says. This is why we need Christian community. This is why we need to be involved and have other Christians involved in our life in a deep and intimate way so that when our perspective is off because of the storm, someone can grab us by the hand and say, look, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on God's Word. One other point, in the midst of the storm, man, lift up your praises to God. Sing God's praises, even when you don't feel like it. Listen, if you will praise the Lord, even in the midst of the storm, there's something about praise that, that just elevates us above the storm. It lifts us up. The Bible says that we are lifted up on wings like eagles. Have you ever been on a flight and there's turbulence and the captain comes on and he goes, we're going to move up to like 30,000 feet. And then like he, he, he lifts us up and we get above the storm and it's just smooth sailing. I've been through some flights like that and you can look out the window and all the storm and all the lightning that we were in, we're not in it anymore. We got to go back through it to land. But in the midst of the storm, if you will praise the Lord, it, it will lift you up. It will elevate you above the storm. I want to encourage you to do that, even when you don't feel like it, and especially when you don't feel like it. The enemy knows, Satan knows, if he can rob your praise, he can rob your victory. That We lift up a song of praise, a shout of praise, and it's through our praises that we uh, enter into victory over the storm. So in conclusion today, number one, we all go through storms. You're not special. We're all going to face it. Storms are a result of sin, but not necessarily my sin. Some are a result of just living in this broken world. I want you to see that storms are a means of God's grace in your life. If you are his child, he will see you through and you will be better when you come out on the other side. That is his promise. And in the midst of the storm, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for your word Lord, help us to see that in this life we will have tribulation. In this life, we're not promised comfort and ease. But Lord, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We can have a confident assurance that you are the Lord even over the storm. That we can marvel just like the disciples did when they said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Lord, give us a new perspective on the events of our lives and the things that we're going through right now.
Help us to see that though the enemy meant meant it for our, our evil, that you are going to work it for our good. And Lord, give us the faith to believe this. Give us the faith to know this, to hold on to your promise. Lord, give us the faith to endure the test and the trial. And Lord, that you would refine us that you would produce in our hearts your character. Lord, that you would draw us closer to yourself. Lord, that you would show us a, a clearer picture of who you are, that you would direct our feet onto the right steps and the right path. Lord, we thank you for helping us, that you are the helper, that you've sent the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us, that you have not left us alone in the midst of the storm, but that you're always with us. Help us to live in that reality, to silence the voice of the enemy, to silence the voice of the accuser, to silence the voice of fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt and to listen to your word, to listen to the leading of your spirit, and to walk in victory, even in the midst of the storm and the trial, to give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.